Hi everybody, welcome back to another great episode of Project Transitions Transitions Points. I'm here with Nick Amy. He's the Associate Executive Director of Bucks NAMI, mm -hmm. as well as the President of the Department of Mental Health and Developmental Programs in Bucks County. How's it going, Nick? It's going well. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Absolutely. Uh, fun fact, I actually have that written down on the uh, on the uh, Microsoft Word right now because I could not trust myself to remember it. <laughs> it's a lot, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've come in contact a lot over the past few years. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say we've probably been like six or seven of the same events. Yep. It's been up there. Every time I'm at an event, you're there, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate being there, and I appreciate you being there, and I appreciate all the work that you do for Project Transition, too. This, the same thing goes for you. Like Thanks. We love, we love, we stan uh, <laughs> NAMI 24-7. Uh, you're NAMI stands. We're NAMI stands. NAMI stands. Uh, if, we were, uh, if we were Taylor Swift fans, we would be, we'd be Swifties. <laughs> we, I have to figure out a name for... Uh, our little Nami community. We have to come up with something like like Namites, or like, mm -hmm. like termites, maybe. I don't know, because you're, you're they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know they're everywhere, and and we still have a lot more work to do to spread the word and everything. So, you know, we'll come up with a name for that. Yes. So, how long have you been with Nami? For about seven seven years now. Um, I'll be coming up on eight years clean and sober. Amazing. And self-harm free and suicide attempt free in December. So that means I've been with NAMI for about seven years now. Wow. So the first time I met you was at Abby, <laughs> Abby Bakery's, Abby's Bakery event. Uh, that was about almost two years ago. Uh, yeah. Or a year ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. And I, I almost, I, everything I say, it was during COVID, during, but everything was during COVID absolutely. for a while. <laughs> but you shared your story yeah. there, and you talked about, your obviously, your, your history of self-harm. Mm -hmm. And then that night, I actually went home, and I told my parents, I called them on the phone, oh. like, I let them know, like, hey, I used to struggle with this. Oh and I gosh. kept it very much so quiet to myself for a very, very long time. Wow. And then it was a very emotional conversation. Oh, my gosh, Brandon, but, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I just, I wanted to make, tell you that to you your face wow so, thank you i really I get goosebumps <laughs> so i really do appreciate that i appreciate you telling me i appreciate like you listening when i'm i'm talking it's whenever i go and give those speeches i'm so nervous mm -hmm. it you carry yourself very well by the way. <laughs> very well i i i don't know it's you know what it's it must just be an adaptation like that was a, a, a survival means of my survival is like conducting myself well even though there's like turmoil <laughs> inside because whenever I do those speeches it's I'm nervous they all matter to me mm. and like anytime I do them what I'm really thinking is all the stuff I'm saying I'm gonna go home tonight and be like oh my gosh Nick you are so stupid <laughs> you, you suck at speaking all that stuff but um my hope is always that there's somebody like you out there that finds some meaning in it and then look what you did you went mm. home and had that conversation with your parents and that was not easy yeah you know so thank you for being vulnerable too absolutely so 
before we get into like your whole alter ego, which I really want to get into, uh, <laughs> yeah. can you tell me a little bit about your story? Mm -hmm. So uh, you're very vocal about your story. Yes. I follow everything you do on all social media. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Thank I tell you, you I'm, a, I'm a st I'm a stand twenty four seven. I'm I'm a stand of Brandon too. And I'm I, a Brandon stand. I thank you. And I uh, I've heard your story a few times. Mm -hmm. But for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure, absolutely. So as much as you're willing to say. I, I don't have any secrets. So if, if you happen to be a person listening to this podcast and you have questions for me, just reach out. Brandon will put the info in the description and everything like that. But um, So I was born and raised in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in Levittown. And I had a really great family. It was what anyone would think is a normal family. We know that Normal doesn't really exist, but hey, you know, growing up, that's what I wanted, a normal family. And, uh, you know, good schools, everything like that. And when it came time to interact with my peers and everything like that is when I started to have trouble. So um, in school, I was tested and everything like that. And they um, decided that I should be in the gifted program. And that all of my issues that I was having with anxiety and depression and things at a really young age were the result of my um, IQ and everything, which, I mean, maybe it has something to do with it, but it wasn't the answer to everything. So they put me in the gifted program, and in the gifted program, they pull you out of class and take you to a special class. And so if you've ever been a kid, which all of you have been, being pulled out of your class and being singled out and everything is just cause for bullying. <clears throat> so that's what ended up happening, a lot of bullying. And then I ended up coping with the bullying by eating. And I gained a lot of weight when I was young and I got bullied really badly for it. And um, I would come home and the way that I would cope with the bullying was eating more. And I would hide food and everything. So by the time I got to like middle school and started riding a bus to school and everything, and kids were like lighting my hair on fire and spitting at me and um, asking me if I was a boy or a girl, I had enough of that. And so the only way that I knew to take control um, was to stop eating, um, control the food. I didn't have control of anything else, uh, the bullying, anything like that, so I could control the food. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I got to high school, my goal was to just, I wanted one person to like me and, um, I stopped eating. I would only eat when I was about to pass out and I, um, lost a bunch of weight in a really unhealthy way. And I got good responses to that, which was positive reinforcement. I thought I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So when I went away to school, to college, um, I wanted to get out of Bucks County as fast as I could. <laughs> so I went away to school in Boston. And when I was there, I uh, realized that I wasn't well. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone else around me, too, realized that I was like an anxious mess all the time. Wow. And awkward and... You know, I, I am a, I'm a weird, awkward person. Oh, me too. It's okay. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm okay with it as an adult now. But, uh, well, I'm trying to be okay with it. So I would go to parties and stuff at school, and, and people would notice how anxious I was, and they would give me things like pills and alcohol and all this stuff. And I was very anti-drugs and alcohol. 
And I did it anyway because I had a need for acceptance that was far greater than my rational mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, I know that this is bad, but I'm going to do it anyway. And the problem with drugs and alcohol for me that we never learned about in school when they tell you to just say no to drugs mm -hmm. is about how effective they were when you're young and you need acceptance um, to make you feel better temporarily. Mm -hmm. And... I thought I fixed myself and I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror and I thought oh my gosh I'm a drug addict and um, I got through school I graduated I got a job everything was was you know pretty pretty decent from you know outward appearances but I was not okay <laughs> and uh, so I took this really big job and I made a lot of money and everything and everybody thought I was okay and successful and um, really, I had this raging drug problem and with pills. And um, I was in New York City one day and I uh, was tired and I felt like I was losing my mind. And I called my mom and she said to come home. So I went home to Levittown and she put me to bed and I woke up in the morning and I, you know, felt a little bit better. And um, my mom made a noise and I went out to check on her and she didn't answer me. And when I saw her, um, she was face down on the ground and she had knocked her teeth out and I had given her CPR and she, uh, she started breathing again, but she never woke up. And when they took her to the hospital and flew her to a hospital in the city, they told us that she had had a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm and that we should have hope and everything. And they sent us home and they did all these surgeries. And the next time I saw my mom, she had a piece of her skull taken out and um, it just wasn't my mom. Her head was shaved. And I grabbed her hand and I said, Mom, it's Nikki, you know, to get her to say anything back to me. And she, um, she like let out a couple tears and made this face. And so I got the doctor, the nurse and they said that that was a primordial response, that a mom will always respond to her child. And uh, I, it ruined me. Mm -hmm. It wrecked me. I was wrecked. And um, so the next time I saw my mom was after I got a call at work. Um, they told us to go back to work and everything. And on that call, they told me that we needed to take my mom off life support. Mm -hmm. And so... I got to the hospital and they were saying last rites around the bed and they opened the windows so that her soul could leave and I knew exactly what I was going to do to kill myself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, I mean, you'd think that maybe I would say to myself, you know what, Nick, get your act together, clean yourself up, make your mom proud. That is not what I thought. I thought, I'm done, I'm out. And uh, so my mom died in January and her birthday is on September 30th. And so on September 30th, um, I went into my former place of employment and got a bunch of medications and went home and used those to try and end my life. And uh, I mean, I'm talking, so I didn't die. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> uh, I didn't die, but I had to go through a lot more of this. Mm -hmm. um, so I woke up three days after my suicide attempt and I was arrested for what I did. You were arrested. I got arrested. Yep. At the hospital? No. I don't know. I didn't go to I did I wasn't at the hospital yet. So how that happened, I took all these pills and everything and I was out for three days and it was something to wake up to. Okay. 
And uh, I woke up because work was calling. Wow. And I, I was so mad that I was alive. And I was confused that I was alive. And I didn't fully even know, like, what was going on. But when work called and said that there was an emergency, I just went to work. Mm. And I got in the car and I drove to work. And they pulled me in the back room and said that there was an emergency. And that I'm the emergency. And they said that if I confessed everything, that they wouldn't arrest me. And they did. And I begged for help in a statement. I sat down in the back room and I said, yes, I took pills. I, you know, it wasn't to sell them or anything. I was trying to end my own life. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know if I'm crazy. I don't know if I'm a drug addict. I don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, after I finished, um, my boss had come in to tell me how disappointed in me he was. You would think the morally right thing to do would be to make sure you get your help before doing all that you would think yeah you would think yeah um but that was what 2008 or 9 that was different time so it was yeah it was a while ago you would think that back then we would have known that people need and deserve help Mm -hmm. but you know there's also a, a a legal aspect to it and so it seems like the criminal element trumps um any mental health treatment aspect, but we'll talk. We'll talk about that more later. I'm sure. Um, so, I ended up going to jail, <laughs> and on the way to jail, the police officer turned around in the car and leaned back and he said, "Yo, didn't your mom just die?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Oh, you think she'd be proud of what you just did?" It was that, you know. That's a heavy hit. You can't. You can't undo that. And obviously it's what? It's 2023 and that was in, two, let's just say it was 2009. Mm-hmm. So it's a while and I will never forget that. Yeah. Never forget it. So <clears throat> I ended up being um, court ordered to treatment, finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't go to treatment until I think it, oh God, it was in November probably. So it was a couple months after. And I was in treatment with, um, it was a professional like rehab and there were doctors and nurses and everything there. And uh, I remember being in there and instead of like feeling hopeful, (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I ruined my life. And people like me don't have good lives and we don't get married and have kids and have houses and stuff. And uh, so when I left that treatment facility, um, I came home and tried to kill myself again. Mm -hmm. In the same way, I wasn't even home two days and I tried to kill myself. I ended up in the hospital again. And that's where I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder first. And I was medicated for that and released to a recovery house. And I immediately left the recovery house. I immediately stopped taking my meds. I immediately stopped going to therapy. Because all I wanted was to be normal. Mm -hmm. It's all I wanted. So, um, the problem with that is <laughs> I kept getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's not like common knowledge that, you know, like if you take antibiotics, you take them until they're done. You're, d- you're done and you're d- better. And then you're done. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, there's all these refills on these mental health meds. Like what is going on exactly? So I'm, I finished it. 
And I just wanted to go back to normal, got a job, everything like that. And I could not figure out why I kept messing up my life. Mm. Just couldn't figure it out. Duh. I mean, now. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know. I And so, like, my dad was like, "What you're, all these hospital visits and, you know, what do you, you got to get your life together. And so um, I had a really serious psychotic break. I do not even remember how old I was, but I was living with my dad at the time, and I was outside talking to the bushes and wow, like in the rain and everything. My dad called the police. The police came, and like everybody agreed that I should just go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad. And then I ended up in the hospital, and that's where they diagnosed me with schizoaffective disorder wow. that time. And I didn't want that diagnosis because it had schizo in it. Mm-hmm. And, um... That was a term that nobody liked to use. No. Yeah. And, uh, it scared me. And I begged to keep my bipolar <laughs> diagnosis. And he's... My doctor said that that's not how it works. And so, finally... That's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, I had the diagnosis that I have now. And so, I, you know... I kind of, I, they put me on disability. Um, if you know me now, like I work a lot mm. and that helps me and it's, it's part of my purpose and my recovery. Um, so not being able to work wasn't great for me. So think my life, I just really wasn't living for a while. And then um, one day uh, I woke up and um, my dad didn't go to work one day. And so someone came to check on him and my bedroom door flew open and they said, Nick, Nick, your dad is dead. And so I went in to see him, and he was, and, um, so, like, when I'm going to sleep at night, a lot of times, what I see is my mom, and sometimes my dad, mostly my mom in that hospital bed, but sometimes I see my dad in, you know, laying in the bed Mm -hmm. and everything, and then when when my dad died i thought how unfair could life be like i do not know how to be an adult i do not know how to take care of myself i don't know anything about money i don't know like what the hell i'm doing like i'm not gonna make it Mm -hmm. and i have a younger brother and a younger sister so are you the oldest i'm the oldest okay and i thought i'm not gonna take them down with me so i tried to end my life again wow and my sister got in the way that time, and she got in my face, and she said, are you going to kill yourself? And I said, yes. And I said, I don't know how you're going to stay alive, but if you are going to stay alive, it, it having me in your life is going to be nothing but bad for you. And so my sister said, no, that's not what's going to happen, and we're going to take you to the hospital. And I asked if I could pack a bag, and I did. And that's when I went to the hospital for the last time. Um, and... I was put on um, a medication that really helped me a lot. I'm not going to say what it is, Mm. just in case, you know, medications work differently for different people. Um, And, you know, absolutely talking to your doctor about that is, no matter what has worked for me, (laughs) still talk to your doctor. Um, But, uh, like, when I I was put on that medication and, and I finally started to feel... A little stable. Um, I also, when I went into the hospital that time, I, I weighed a, a lot, like, you know, a considerable amount more than I did now. And that was because I was drinking <laughs> so much. 
And um, the doctor said, like, you know, cut the drinking, take your meds, you know, like, like get it together. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're capable of some good stuff. So I thought, all right, well, uh, when I was in the hospital that time, there were a lot of really sick people with me. And I was one of them. And I thought, you know what, though? Um, there are going to be some people in here who are going to be kind of stuck in this, mm -hmm. you know? And they don't have the supports that I have. And they don't have, you know, anything, really. So what could I do? I could go and tell my, like, full story like this and, and help other people out. So that's when I found NAMI. I was released from the hospital. And I went and I lived in a recovery house for about two years. Well, no, it was a year and a half. And um, was it was it was it amazing? It's not a you know it's not a five star hotel or whatever. Yeah. But it saved my life mm -hmm. and it got me you know acclimated to living on my own and everything like that. And so I started working with Nami, telling my story in schools for our Ending the Silence program. And every time, I, I was so scared, mm. I was really scared, but every time I told my story to those kids and they didn't make fun of me or anything, it took a little bit of my shame away about all the stuff that I'd been through. So I thought, all right, I'm doing the right thing. So then, long story short with NAMI, um, when I started, we had like four or five support groups. Now we have over 100 a month. Um, wow. We have a warm line, a helpline. Uh, a cool website, pretty fun social media. <laughs> I love the social media. It's, <laughs> thanks, Britton. Um, but I do that stuff. And a lot of what I do for NAMI with the graphics and the website and the social media and everything, that's because if you're listening and you live with a mental illness, we deserve nice things. Absolutely. We deserve cool things. We deserve things that are pretty and, and you know, like... All of our brochures and everything and our, our website, it's, it's, it's nice looking. Mm. And we deserve that. Like, we're not, like, second-class citizens who get, like, black and white photocopied things because we just don't deserve it. You deserve really nice things. Mm. <laughs> so that's kind of what I, I bring to NAMI. And then all of a sudden, I'm the associate executive director and... Uh, I don't know how this happened exactly, and one of the cool things is I serve as the president of our mental health and developmental program board in Bucks County, and I'm a person living with a mental illness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if any of the stuff that I talk about sounds good to you, and you're worried that you can't do things because you've got mental illness, maybe we do it a little bit differently, but there's nothing that you can't do. Mm -hmm. And every place that mental health is talked about you have the right to be there. We have a seat at the table. And, you know, NAMI also oversees CSP, which is the Community Support Program of Bucks County. And there we say nothing about us without us. Nothing about us without us. There is, There needs to be, if there's not already, a seat at the table for at least one person living with a mental health condition mm -hmm. wherever decisions about mental health are made. So, uh, that's cool. <laughs> and I get to do all that stuff. Um, and then I also have my alter ego, but that's my, that's my story. But before we get into your alter ego, <laughs> I just want to let you know. So when I was in the military, uh, Oh, I didn't know you were oh, yeah, in the Yeah, I was in the military, uh, once upon a time ago, but mm. I was in the military from 18 to 22. Oh, um, and, yeah. uh, I graduated in 2013, so 18 to 
So like 2013 to 2017. Wow. Yeah. Um, so feelings aren't something that you really talk no, about. No, well, not just in the military. But like, it's I, like my dad. My dad was never in the military. Yeah. And if you talked about your feelings, like you, yeah. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, veterans and, and military, uh, I wish there was more of an embedded culture of mental health mm. there because that, I was never um, in any kind of service. <sighs> what that's like psychologically to, even if you're not active duty, mm. to be involved in organizations that are charged with defending this country and all the responsibility that comes with that and the culture surrounding it, like yes. this tough, you know, uh, it's not healthy. No, it's not. So, you know... It's not healthy, even if you're even if you're one of those people that believes that you know young people are snowflakes and all that stuff, and we talk so much about our feelings and we're soft, things like that. Listen, you know what? I cry all the time now. Mm. I never cried before. I cry all the time now because getting that out, keeping it in, I'm gonna have a heart attack or I'm gonna kill myself. Absolutely. You know, like that culture is dangerous. So now we have veteran support groups for that. Mm. For that reason. I always say that I didn't cry for like four years when I was in the army. Yep. And now I got to cry like once every three weeks. And if not, I have to like get myself, I have to watch like a Walk to Remember on Netflix to make, <laughs> my, to make myself cry. Uh, my therapist yeah. says it's because I bottled it all up for so much that now I'm just leaking. And it's okay and to let it leak out because yep. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I... I mean, I, I take a, a, a medication that's an antidepressant that kind of affects my ability to cry a little bit lately. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, going through the pandemic, I, I needed a different antidepressant. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> so, but it's like, I, I'm so grateful that I get to do this work and stuff. Sometimes that just makes me cry, yes. period. And so, like, if I'm up on stage and giving a speech and I'm talking about that and I start to cry and I think, well, people think I'm a weirdo. But... Nah, that's really not... And you know what? Maybe some people do. And whatever. For, for, for those who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing they like. But for me, I like crying and getting that stuff out and being kind of an example that that is helpful, not mm -hmm. harmful, and that I'm a man and it doesn't make me any less of a man yes. to cry. Yeah. I, that's that's where I'm headed. <laughs> the, the, the pandemic really taught me a lot about my mental health personally. Yeah. And I never cried more during the... In my entire life, and I did during that initial blast of like lockdown and COVID. That was rough. That's. But I found out a lot. Found out a lot about myself. Uh, mental well, good. Health yeah. Good. We we found out a lot about mental health in general during the pandemic. We mm -hmm. found out a lot about Nami. We found out how much we could possibly work, how many hours we could possibly mm -hmm. work in a day. You know, through the pandemic, and I don't think any of us really took a bunch of days off during the pandemic. No. We needed a break afterward, but you know. That was difficult for everybody. Yeah. And we collective we have collective trauma from that. We were all went through it together and it was super unpleasant. And now the world, you know, is gonna be a bit different here on out. And one of the good ways it's gonna be different is that we include mental health and we understand the importance of it. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that was I feel like we're about to talk about We're gonna talk about it. So because it, it's really important that we talk about it. so my big thing is real life superheroes, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I have to do it this way. Big thing is real life superheroes. So we got, you know, we got uh, we got police officers, we got first uh -huh. responders, yeah. firefighters, mm -hmm. um, just people out there making a difference. 
Absolutely. Uh, they all have their own kind of superpower in their own yeah, way, right? Yeah. And now there's also another... And hopefully they use them for good. Using them for the good is the most important <laughs> aspect on it behind it. Yes. It. Because you are not a superhero if you use your power for bad. Right. But there's another person out there, and his name is Nami Man. Yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Nikime. I, yep. So if, if we're spilling the beans, uh, I dress up as a mental health superhero. Yes. Called Nami Man. And uh, my superpower is crushing stigma, and stigma is all the bullying, discrimination, labeling, and stuff like that that surrounds mental health and mental health conditions. And uh, so it's my job to crush that, and I don't do it by myself. I have sidekicks. I have uh, little little boys and girls who dress up as NAMI boys and NAMI girls, and they help me crush stigma, and it's adorable. They're adorable, and I love them. Um, but how, uh, what I do as, as NAMI man mainly, and, and some of my favorite things to do are visit hospitals in the area and uh, go in and visit the children's units. And I, I um, tell a little bit of my story and I let them know chief message mm-hmm. is that they are not bad kids because mm-hmm. they're in the hospital. Absolutely. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. So they all think that because they're in a place like that, that they're bad kids and that they did something wrong and that they're bad. So I let them know that I am a superhero because I lived through everything I thought I wouldn't live through and then I got the help that I needed, Mm -hmm. just like they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean? That means I'm not the only one and only mental health superhero. It means that there's a lot of us out there. Mm-hmm. And so I go and I tell those kids that they're superheroes for getting the help that they need and that they're not bad kids. And they believe me because I thought I was a bad kid and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I turned out to be a cool guy that does good things. And I, you know, they can do the same thing. So then we sit there around the table and I ask them to draw themselves as superheroes. And while they're drawing... All the boys will draw Nami Man again. They draw Nami Man, and the, but the girls will draw like themselves in, like, with, with unicorn stuff and tutus <laughs> and things. And uh, I talk to them about their little stories while we're, we're drawing. And they tell me. They, they pour their little hearts out. And a lot of them are just super confused about what's going on. Yeah. And like if I, I'm 40 years old now, and if... I can get confused about my mental health. Mm. Imagine a little kid. So, you know, we try to clear some things up for them, and hopefully they remember me when they yeah. leave and go back out into the community and, and remember the, the primary message that I want them to remember is that they're not bad kids. Yeah. You know? And I will never forget, I felt like a monster with going through my you know, really bad addiction and, and my really intense mental health issues. Um, if you if you met me 10 years ago, you would not have liked me. Really? At all. You, you seem like an amazing man now, so... It, it was not... The, I, I was lost. I was lost. And to be really frank with you, I didn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't care if I lived. I didn't care about relationships. Nothing was worth anything. And so, like, a lot of times when you see someone out who is not well or who is struggling with addiction, um, it's not that they're a a crappy person. It's that they are lost in life and don't know where to go. And the only 
next thing available for them is more drugs or mm -hmm. drinking. It's not do the next right thing. Yeah. It's how do I get through the day and what's the next available thing to help me cope. <laughs> yeah. So. It's like uh, at Holy Family University, we, mm -hmm. you had the amazing pleasure to speak in front of all yeah. of us, which was absolutely amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. And then after you, we had Brandon Novak, right? Yeah, yeah. Huge advocate for the mental health and recovery um, community as well. Yep. And he shared his story about how if we knew... If we saw him. Like we saw him on. I watched. I used to know him as Nudie Novak growing oh, up yeah. on yep, Viva La Bam too. and all that, right? Yep. Uh, I, I had posters of him and Bam on my wall. Yeah. Um, but he always says that you wouldn't have liked me, and no, we didn't like him. No, he was something that we laughed at. Yeah. Um, but needless to, but he was going through something very, very yep. dark, and it had to, he had to go through all that to get where he is now. So. Absolutely, and it's. You know, and that's why I just interject, but that's why you guys had a very similar story. Oh yeah, you just did it just kind of switched up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. We do have a pretty similar story. Um, the 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 actual drugs we did were different. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a very similar story. Mm. I just, I mean, it's 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 so easy to walk down the street and see people who are struggling and just remove yourself from mm -hmm. that but i mean what is really going on is something with that person that you're removing yourself from or ignoring or laughing at or whatever that could be happening in your family absolutely it it's you know mental illness it's it's a it's a one in four thing so that's a lot of people mm. and a lot of people are walking around with this and and you'd never know and and they might not even know yeah but, you know, kindness goes a long way. So that's another thing Nami Man is about is, you know, kindness and, and compassion and vulnerability and, and all those good things. Getting people to start a conversation about mental health. So uh, in addition to the hospitals and everything, um, Nami Bucks has an elementary school program called wow. Small Talk. Love, small, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clever name. Yeah. Uh, our youth programs director, her name is Mia Skakozo. Um, she developed that program. We had a middle school and high school program, but she developed the elementary school program because kids are, we're struggling. Mm -hmm. They're struggling. And they don't have, like, my primary issue um, when I was younger and talking about mental health was I didn't have the language for it. So when I was in second grade, that was the first time I thought about killing myself. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have any words to discuss it. So, you know... If we give kids the language to discuss that, then they can have conversations with us about how they're feeling, mm -hmm. right? So um, we give this presentation called Small Talk, which teaches kids just how to talk about that stuff. And Nami Man comes in at the end, and we declare them all superheroes, and they get masks and capes and everything, and they're adorable. And the, the whole idea is that they don't forget this. Yeah. Don't forget this. You know, you're, you're going to come across a lot of people who think that talking about your feelings is soft and everything, like we said before. It's not. Mm -hmm. Keep on doing it. It's, That's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. Saves lives. So, um, Nami Man goes and does that. And then I go and do general events, you know, like, and I'm, I'm the superhero at the events, the mental health events and everything. And people take pictures with me. Yeah, we do. And then, <laughs> and videos and stuff. And, uh. That, when you post those things online and people are like, who the heck is this guy? Who is this guy dressed up in a costume? You've got to talk about mental health. Yeah. 
It's you like, have to. It's like with Abby, Abby's Bakery, yeah. right? So yeah. like, uh, she they encourage to talk about mental health while baking, right? Mm-hmm. And you people see your photo, and it's like it, yeah. it gets the conversation started. Abby's Bakery, by the way, if you don't know who they are, look them up. Amazing um, organization. I love pl- them. I will plug them as well. They actually, um, we our walk, our big stride for mental health awareness, the Nami Bucks County Stride for Mental Health Awareness, is on October eighth this year, mm. and they are getting our community partner award. That is They're amazing. Awesome. Yes. So Abby's Bakery, um, and you know what? Uh, Abby was a young woman mm. um, who died by suicide, really young, tragically young. And um, it was it was just her birthday not that long mm-hmm. ago, but um, any time, I because this job is not easy. No, I I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I, I bet this job is not easy. It comes with a lot of stuff, and whenever I have a really bad day, and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe someone else could do this better than me. I think you know what, there are people like Abby out there who Abby's Bakery is named after mm-hmm. who need this. Absolutely. And if I am too tired or if I, you know, like maybe she wouldn't, she w- they won't see it. And, you know, like maybe if, not that if I could have done something to, to help Abby necessarily, but I can do things to help people like Abby. Absolutely moving forward and the, the work that her sister and brother are doing mm-hmm. on behalf of her it's just it's their whole family yeah. it's 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 their their sister her, their her sister kayla actually works for nami on the warm line the warm line, yeah. yep she volunteers on the warm line and answers calls and her mom and dad and her brother they all are at our events mm-hmm. and her aunt andrea is the one that organizes a lot of, Love of this Andrea. stuff. She's, She's awesome. Yeah. So they were on the podcast. Abby, oh, cool! Abby's Bakery. Yeah, I didn't know that. that's awesome. I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. I want to listen to it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tearjerker for sure. I love them. They are, um, th- there are just some people that you meet them, and I asked them. I said, "Do you like? Do you ever get really mad or like angry at people or curse or anything like that?" They're just like the perfect people. They're so they're such good people. But, like, that also shows you that you know that, that they were amazing parents. You mm. know that that aunt is amazing, the uncle, the brothers and sisters. They are amazing. And that this can happen anyway. Mm. You know? Yes. Suicide, dying by suicide, it, it's, you know, you could have the best family. You could have the most money. You could have, you know, everything in your life and still die by suicide, you know? And we saw a lot of that happen over COVID as well. Absolutely. The thought of just being alone, and it, it's, it's very sad. I know, I know. But that's, see, so there are a lot of people who might think that Nami Man is, like, goofy or, like, kooky or corny or whatever. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Think that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yes, I am. And I'm okay with that. And it means that, you know, mental health is a lifelong thing everybody's got mental health yeah recovery is a lifelong endeavor and if we are so serious about this all the time and don't allow any room for you know humor or anything like that 
it's going to be a, a, a rough journey recovery. Absolutely. So bring some fun into it. Invite Nami Man to your next party. <laughs> I challenge anybody that says that you're goofy or you're Nami Man is goofy to suit up and go in front of Yeah, you do that. And then pour their heart out for everybody. Because, True. listen, I, I could never. So I give you huge yes, you props could. for that. Yes, you could. You do think? It. Okay. You could. Yes, you could. I appreciate that. So... Uh, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer. No worries. But I want to know, what is one thing in your journey as NAMI man that's really stuck out to you the most? Do you have like a specific story? The the story that has stuck out to me the most is, um, so I went and visited a hospital that I was a patient mm. in. And I went to the children's unit there, and I walked in, and it was the first or second time I had done it, I think. And there was a really little boy, like really young, um, like four or five. And uh, he was just sitting by himself and he was like rocking back and forth and he was talking to things that weren't there. And I walked over to him and I knelt down and he didn't say anything except, are you my superhero? And I said, absolutely. So that right there is my, my favorite thing. It goes on though. Because I told you, as Nami man, we sit and they draw themselves as superheroes mm. and everything. So um, he drew Nami man again, and I told him my story. He told me a little bit of his story. He thought he was a bad boy. He thought he was there because he was a bad boy. Told him that he wasn't. So he starts drawing Nami man, mm. not himself as a superhero, but he drew Nami man. And around me, I have the picture here too. I I don't know where exactly it is, but I can show it to you. Okay. Um, he drew me, and then he put, like, fire all around me. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> what is that? And I said, why am I on fire? And he goes, that's not fire. That's your goodness. That's my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Goodness. He was adorable. Adorable. I hope he remembers me. I, I hope he does. I, I, was, I How long ago was that? He's probably, he's probably, like, 10 or 11 now. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever, when you meet with these kids and have these conversations with them, do you ever just go back to your car and, like, oh my God, let yeah. it out? Yep, I cry sometimes. I, I uh, it, if I'm not on an antidepressant, that story makes me cry. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, like, more, more than, more often than not, like, I go back to my car and I think, oh my God, thank God I didn't kill myself. Mm. Oh my God, if I would have killed myself, none of this would be happening. Like, if I would have killed myself, there would be no Nami man. There would be no person visiting kids in the hospital. And so, less sad and more, like, grateful. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, if, if, if I would have done that, and that was what I felt was the only option at the time. Like, all this, all this cool stuff with Nami wouldn't be happening. And... Like, I wouldn't be here to see it. And I wouldn't be here to know that, like, life can get better. You know? Absolutely. So, so on my arm, I have written, beauty comes from pain. Right? Ah, yeah. Because you got to go through hell to get to where you, to get to, to get to a good point in your life. Right? Yeah. And that's what I'm getting from you, where you went through so much pain. Garbage. And, garbage, right? <laughs> and you're doing beautiful things now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... 
Thank you. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm 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 excited that I get to do this. It is an honor that I get to do this. If you ever meet me out in public and you think I have everything together, the honest to God truth is I don't know any of what I'm doing. I'm just winging it as winging I go it, yeah. and doing the next right thing. And um, anything that I have done in my life, you could do too. Absolutely. Anything. Come up and talk to me if you ever see me out in public. So Nick, this was an amazing, amazing session. Uh, I don't want to say it was one of my favorite ones, but it was probably one of my favorite ones oh. that I've ever done. Um, we've been here for the past 45 minutes just talking, sharing your story, yeah. jiving back and forth. Is there anything that you wish that you could leave behind as, like a, as your final message to anybody that's listening? Yeah. Um, if you are out there and you are living with a mental health condition and you managed to wake up today... Uh, and get out of bed or anything you're a superhero too it's not just me it's not just nami man because i dress up in a costume um and you're also a superhero because maybe you're getting the help that you need that qualifies as a superpower maybe you're thinking about getting the help that you need and you're scared also a superpower and maybe you just realize that you've got some kind of a mental health issue or a concern or a condition and you feel like you're the only one i hope you hear this you are not the only one you are not alone there's so many of us out there there's so many of us out there that we formed a national organization called nami and all we do all day every day is exist to support you whether it's on the phone online um, in support groups anything like that and it's not just us existing to support you. It's us existing to support you with the intention that you'll get to a point in your recovery where you could do the same. So there's opportunities for a purpose here at NAMI too. And don't forget, there is help, there is hope, and until there's a cure, there's NAMI. So we're online at namibuckspa.org and on social at NAMI Bucks. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>